My name is Julie, and you're listening to WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. And indeed, welcome to another edition of Gray Matters, the weekly news and media talk show. My name is Dick Whaley. And I'm actually Jim Dwyer. And since uh, we're following Carmen, who uh, wants to move your ass, we're going to move your brain with another edition of Gray Matters. I don't mind following Carmen Electra. <laughs> I don't know how good she is for your health, but uh, she's certainly no less campy than Michelle Bachman, so. who I'll never follow. <laughs> Indeed. Well, Michelle Bachman, uh, repeating the old trope, uh, anti-gay marriage, the family is the basic unit of government. Mm. And if that's true, well, that's most people would consider them separate. But uh, one wonders uh, how strictly she adheres to that actual outlook. I don't really know what her husband's occupation is, but most of those uh, psychologist Bible thumpers uh, tend to prefer that the woman stay at home. And so uh, she takes liberties with uh, even her religious doctrine. Well, besides having five children of her uh, of her own, she apparently uh, has uh, brought in twenty three foster children into the world, mainly adults that got into this uh, program that her husband runs, sort of a uh, Christian uh, reeducation camp. <laughs> Very interesting stuff that I'm sure will uh, the media will investigate further, because uh, as we noted last week. Her family farm in Minnesota has received over $150,000 of uh, government subsidies over the past decade. She's really received pretty gentle uh, treatment, kid glove treatment uh, from the media thus far. If indeed she continues to remain Mitt Romney's closest rival for the uh, Republican nomination, uh, then I would expect that we could see the real dirt. Well, the thing that's interesting about her campaign is she's obviously, she's always characterized as the favorite of the Tea Party, and indeed her rhetoric is conducive to their uh, very strange interpretation of the Boston Tea Party that uh, we'll go into in further uh, depth in a future show. Uh, so she has toned down her... Uh, her rhetoric a little bit, and and has, I think, uh, at, at the end of the day, over the last month or two, performed uh, publicly a little better. I think that Ed Rollins, a professional campaign manager who's backed many losers, I might add, including Mike Huckabee and Ross Perot, big claim to fame, by the way, was that he was the political director for Ronald Reagan. Uh, I think he had uh, some words with her. And, of course, uh, one of the more interesting dynamics of Michelle Bachman's candidacy is... Uh, it seems quite clear she's uh, undermined Sarah Palin. Rollins threw Palin under the bus recently in some public uh, pronouncements against Palin. Uh, Michelle Bachman has remained mute on the uh, issue, but it's quite clear she's uh, stole the bacon, as we say. Last week we were contemplating the uh, elementary school game of steal the bacon in which mm. Palin and Michelle Bachman uh, run to the center of the uh, gymnasium and... <laughs> Try and grab the bowling pin or whatever whatever the bacon might be that day, but uh, maybe it's pork. Uh, maybe, maybe there's more bacon than we uh, realize. But uh, what's striking to me is that uh, recent polls have shown her uh, 
number two in Iowa, getting uh, 22% of the vote amongst uh, GOP uh, 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 caucus, uh, probable caucus voters. Mm -hmm. So uh, she could indeed win the Iowa caucuses since she announced her formal candidacy today in Waterloo, (laughs) where she was born. I wonder if there would be any historical references to that notable battle. Yeah, well, she seems to have forgotten where Lexington and Concord are, but... uh, Never mind. But she strikes me as a beautiful combination of uh, a church lady, a cheerleader, and Sister Sharon Falconer from Elmer Gantry. Oh, Um, yeah. Sinclair Lewis, I think one of the best novelists of the 20th century of American literature. Certainly. Uh, won the Nobel uh, Prize, I believe, in 1930. And his novels, Main Street, Elmer Gantry, body of work, very impressive. Babbitt, Babbitt, It Can't Happen Here. It Can't Happen Here. Very fascinating um, satires and uh, exposés of uh, the Midwest and, indeed, uh, Sinclair Lewis uh, from the Minnesota area. Yep. Uh, well worth uh, reading over and over Um but yeah, Sharon Falconer in the uh, novel uh, Elmer Gantry, made into an outstanding movie, by the way. Gene Simmons playing that role. Gene Simmons, uh, a real cutie pie, playing uh, Miss Sharon Falconer, and Burt Lancaster in one of his more interesting yeah. uh, roles as the uh, apocryphal Bible thumper, <laughs> with both an alcohol and a woman problem at one point or another. And ultimately a big hypocrisy problem because, of course, the big unfolding uh, disaster of Elmer Gantry is his rise to power through rhetoric and demagoguery and uh, the sort of empty moral center uh, within yeah. the man himself. All, you know, it's it's all a sales job. And exactly. that, that's what uh, Michelle Bachman's got going for. Her. Uh, she's toned down the rhetoric and also the makeup, which I think is a good idea. <laughs> She sort of reminded me a little bit there, and it's maybe a bit sexist of men to comment about women's makeup, but uh, she's looking a little bit too much like Tammy Faye there <laughs> a couple months ago. I don't know if you remember her uh, appearance when Ob- uh, Obama gave the State of the Union. She gave the official oh. Republican Tea Party response. response. Good God. Well, that was an awful performance. So she is gaff prone. Um, she also has an interesting dynamic involving Ron Paul. Um, mm. Ron Paul, sort of a purist libertarian. Uh, not quite Tea Party, but uh, I think they're competing for some of the same constituency. But she seems to be in it to get the Christian evangelical uh, wing of the Republican Party, the true believers, and it strikes me as a very obvious effort to, quote, stop Mitt Romney, no matter what. And, of course, John Huntsman uh, announced his candidacy uh, this past week officially uh, in front of the Statue of Liberty. Yeah, actually, there's a very humorous photo of him standing behind a sort of a red sign at about uh, abdomen level there saying Huntsman 2012 with his corporate logo H, which reminds me of the Halliburton logo. And he's waving with his right hand and in the background is the Statue of Liberty and it looks like He's waving to her, but he's confused where she is. Yeah. It's just a silly photo. And, uh, uh, you know, he's from Utah. Why is he announcing it here at the Statue of Liberty? Well, it's all just theater and show. Yeah, and it's, of course, a reinvocation of the Ronald Reagan uh, 
It's morning in America. General campaign of 1980. Alzheimer's was uh, soon upon us. And uh, I think that Obachman has a variety of real problems. I think the real curiosity is going to be uh, how well she fundraises. And, of course, Newt Gingrich is... uh, well, I think his next show needs to be getting in a barrel and going over Niagara Falls because <laughs> I think you can stick a plastic fork in him. Uh, that's one of Sarah Palin's uh, props lately when she, she ate pizza with Donald Trump with a plastic fork <laughs> in New York City for such authenticity. So we'll give Bachman uh, kudos for being authentic, but... Uh, I think a real examination of her policy ideas uh, will uh, undo her, but uh, I can see her doing well early on in the primaries. Well, and you have to wonder, too, about the extent to which business, you know, big business, which traditionally supports the Republican Party, will buy into the economically naive and shallow uh, worldview that the, you know, protectionist, nativist, uh, Yahoo-based uh, Tea Party really represents. Mm-hmm. It's not really in the best interests of big business to pursue uh, the sort of myopic agenda that the Tea Party subscribes to. But, of course, they, they are a growing constituency with uh, too much uh, coverage, I might add. Uh, fascinating to see that recent uh, other polls, AP polls, show that uh, 41% of Americans uh, don't think that the debt ceiling level should be should be raised. Uh, the the catastrophe involving this would be uh, unknown. Yeah, that's just it. It's unimaginable. Yeah. Uh, but you have to think that with uh, this much at stake, uh, you'd want to err on the side of caution. And the Republican intransigence uh, with regards to uh, revenue increases, uh, that's what they're calling it. And, of course, what they're referring to is taxes. Yeah. Uh, They would prefer no taxes at all. And then, of course, uh, as we've argued uh, consistently down here, this is where schools and hospitals and local municipalities and the very fiber and fabric of society itself are maintained and supported through taxes. Now, are we overtaxed in some areas? Absolutely. Is our uh, tax money largely wasted? Let's consider the military spending. Yes. And so if Obama is uh, smart, he'll, he'll say, okay, you guys don't want to raise taxes. You just want to cut spending. So we're done in Afghanistan. We're done in Iraq. Hey, we don't need to be in Korea. Why are we still in Germany? Et cetera, et cetera. Et cetera. And, and that, that actually may be where we end up going. But, you know, it's fascinating. Over the past week, there was endless uh, debate in the, on the financial shows uh, regarding the Greek debt. And uh, George Papandreou, the uh, prime minister of Greece, survived a uh, no-confidence vote. Mm -hmm. I think it was Thursday by like three or four votes. The actual austerity measures uh, contemplated for Greece, by the way, involve uh, the temporary measure basically kicks the can down the road. But this is a $40 billion package involving wage cuts, and tax increases. This is the austerity measure that Greece is being confronted with by the uh, imposition of the bond markets. And, of course, when Geithner, as Secretary of the Treasury, warns about a catastrophe regarding the uh, 
the pain of, of uh, America's past debts, because that's really what the debt ceiling is all about. It's got nothing to do with current spending. It's about the past borrowing and inadequate re- government revenue that stru- structurally was created pretty much by the Ronald Reagan, George W. Bush tax cuts, which Obama, of course, uh, compromised on uh, after his uh, so-called shellacking in last year's elections. Um, the tax cuts were extended yet again. Uh, where are the jobs? Uh, nowhere right. to be found. But it's a very interesting thing to note regarding the Greek austerity uh, package, that if this were put into perspective, and I'm quoting here from a recent article by uh, Rachel um, Donadio and Stephen Erlanger, a longtime New York Times uh, reporter, this would involve, and get this, spending cuts and tax increases of a similar size on scale to the United States, this would involve $1.75 trillion. <laughs> now, uh, would America have any sort of a, an ability to uh, deal with such austerity measures uh, that they're talking about? No, they want to defund NPR and save $30 million. <laughs> they want to uh, oh, cut off Planned Parenthood and save $300 million, uh, undermining women's health care. It goes on and on. And, of course, the Republicans go on television with a straight face and continue to delude the American people that this can be done with simply government cuts and spending. But this is uh, preposterous because the facts are quite clear in terms of uh, generally accepting accounting principles. Government spending is at an all-time high. Tax collection is the equivalent of what we were getting in the 1950s. Yeah. And... uh, We can criticize uh, the Republicans from the 1950s, but at least they paid for the Cold War. Right. It was foolish money, poorly spent, but at least it was on the books. That's why the wealthy were paying 90%. Ronald Reagan seems to have forgotten that fact. Of course, he was a well-paid propaganda operative for... Uh, anti-communism starting in the 1940s. And General Electric. General Electric. uh, Oh, you know, uh, somebody told him, all you got to do to become the president of the United States is is look like John Wayne and ride a horse. And I kept realizing that that was the downfall of Ed Rollins' Ross Perot campaign. I think uh, Ross Perot would have looked mighty foolish on a horse. Maybe he could get him up on a mule, get him up on an elephant. <laughs> he could galump around uh, Pretoria. <laughs> I meant Peoria. <laughs> well, uh, of course, uh, as for Huntsman's in, uh, uh, <laughs> campaign announcement, just to finish up with these sure. uh, new announcements, how fascinating uh, that uh, there were all kinds of hitches. Uh, this courtesy of... Uh, Wait, wait, don't tell me. I didn't actually hear the show, but apparently his web uh, site misspelled his name. Uh, Huntsman? Yeah. No, John. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) They had J-O-H-N. He apparently is J-O-N, short for Jonathan, I guess. And uh, the campaign's phone number was listed as, get this, 123-456-456. Seven eight nine zero. 
Huh? That's called a dummy placeholder, right? In the proofreading stage? <laughs> I don't know what that is. <laughs> like 555 Mockingbird Lane? I don't know that you get anybody with that phone number. <laughs> it's probably uh, one of those phone numbers that little children play with all the time. And I'm phoning daddy. <laughs> you get, this is not a valid number. Um, and instead of putting reporters on a plane to New Hampshire for the next campaign event, Mr. Huntsman's aides led them to a plane bound for Saudi Arabia. <laughs> and, of course, a couple of weeks ago when rumors were emerging that Huntsman may become a candidate uh, they, uh, he, and that he was visiting New Hampshire, uh, one of the most interesting reports I heard on the matter was a reporter actually admitted that there were more reporters than voters. In Iowa? No, c trying to follow the event. Oh. And I, I believe that even yeah. the Statue of Liberty appearance uh, might have suffered from this problem. So uh, maybe the Statue of Liberty can vote for John Huntsman. <laughs> <laughs> or perhaps uh, Newt Gingrich might just wander by in the background. Well, he seems, seems to have a lot of available campaign staff because the uh, Tiffany's uh, jewelry credit uh, problem doesn't seem to be going away. And apparently this is going to be reported in the next uh, filing deadline for presidential can candidates as a liability. And his campaign staff uh, pretty much resigned en masse due to this uh, gaffe, this snafu. Well, of course, the other shoe uh, remains uh, yet to drop on the uh, connections between Newt Gingrich and offshore uh, Internet gambling websites, which are another revenue stream for him um that's a pretty dubious uh source for funding as for palin she's uh, been thrown under the bus by bachman fascinating dynamics there and she's uh, well in a way sarah palin's driven over herself in yeah. her tragical history to her bust <laughs> she hasn't quite survived the midnight ride of paul revere and I do highly recommend that Stephen Colbert uh, video. That is one of the funniest things I've seen on television in quite some time. Yeah, it was a good piece of satire indeed. Well, uh, the Supreme Court might deserve a, a little satire this week as they uh, find in favor of uh, Walmart dismissing, of course, oh, yeah. uh, a, a case uh, in which uh, vast quantities of women in apparently numerously, very clearly documented cases of sex discrimination mm -hmm. being overpassed for promotions and so forth. Um, another, you know, argument uh, to be made for the uh, pro-business, anti-citizen, anti-worker outlook of this court and uh, and unfortunately, in that particular case, that's really sort of one of those technical legal standing issues. Mm -hmm. Apparently, the class action lawsuits can be brought uh, again under a different uh, sort of rubric of uh, class action. Apparently, they were too big to be manageable to be heard. So, it, you know, th those kinds of some sometimes the Supreme Court rules on technicalities uh, as opposed to substance and they uh, like kicking the can down the road on all sorts of things. But today it was interesting that they both uh, sided with uh, makers of violent video games, um, claiming that's free speech, 
and also striking down a uh, element of the Arizona campaign law. Uh, oh. Kagan apparently wrote a fairly uh, oh well-worded uh, dissent in which she noted that uh, the court was uh, overlooking the uh, bribery aspect of campaign contributions. That they're looking at the case too narrowly just from the free speech. So rich corporations, just remember, it's uh, it's how much free speech you can buy sometimes, and that's uh, uh, an unfortunate event. But at the same time, I guess this even parts of the Arizona uh, campaign uh, restriction law, the public funding of, of campaigns, which, of course, is used uh, in all other sorts of democracies around the globe, um, can be reworked at some level. So disappointing, but uh, not surprising. No, sadly not uh, surprising. Um, interesting items about uh, the G20 and an attempt to come to terms with uh, the food price crisis. Um Here's an article by Javier Blas, writing from London in the Financial Times, uh, who talks about the U.S., Brazil, and China joining forces to water down the G20's first communique on agriculture, defeating proposals to reduce the use of biofuels and export bans. And when you look at uh, the numbers on this, it's pretty remarkable that I'll just quickly go through this ethanol share of U.S. corn use. The U.S. is the world's leading producer of maize. We are corn. We are corn. Of course, corn is a generic term meaning simply the primary grain of a region or culture. If you're reading an English book and they're talking about corn, they're really talking about wheat or rye. So corn here means maize. Corn, of course, uh, amazingly used in 50,000 consumer products uh, in your average uh, grocery store. But consider these numbers. Ethanol share of U.S. corn use in percent. Well, in 2003-2004, uh, 10% of the annual U.S. corn crop uh, was uh, turned over into ethanol usage. Uh, in the current cycle, 2011 to 2012, we are approaching 50% mm -hmm. of the available maize uh, being funneled over into biofuel use. And, of course, this is part of the reason that the food prices have jumped so dramatically. There was the large spike in uh, food price index in 2008, and uh, currently the levels are higher than they were in 2008. So... We are again in a food crisis price-wise, and while that, of course, leads to uh, some degree of hardship uh, and, uh, you know, budget decisions for families, the smallest uh, incremental uh, government unit uh, operating, according to Margaret ba uh, to, uh, Bachman, um, but for a vast quantity of people in the world, this is uh, devastating. Yeah, and it gets back to the overall problem that we continue to have in this country, uh, connecting energy policy, you know, with, with reality. Um, I personally have no problems whatsoever uh, with ethanol being used uh, at a micro level. You know, if a farmer wishes to um, um, take his some of his corn crop and convert it into ethanol to use in his uh, farm machinery, I think that's great. But the idea that this should be some sort of organized policy by the government to uh, create ethanol subsidies, this, of course, one of the uh, 
uh, Bush administration. Um, many goals of reducing our dependence on foreign oil, which, of course, has simply not happened over any substantive period of time for decades. Um, and this is a, an example also of the disconnect between government spending, because I think agricultural subsidies are a surprisingly high percentage of the so-called domestic discretionary spending yeah. that the Republicans rant and rave about. But these uh, same uh, politicians tend to vote for the corn subsidies for ethanol. Um, agro-business, big agro-business. Because the red states, or the red region of our country, tends to be the uh, grain-producing uh, uh, region of our country. And I think that there are... Uh, Possibly good reasons to uh, provide some uh, agricultural subsidies for smaller family farms for certain crops, but some sort of organized ethanol policy in which huge quantities of corn, i.e. food, are being converted into biofuel is probably pretty misguided. And certainly, uh, there a very interesting front-page story, by the way, in yesterday's New York Times about the... Uh, the bubble developing in the uh, fracking um, natural gas uh, oh, yes. scammeroos in which uh, quite a bit of uh, hype is being, uh, let's say, uh, thrown into the, 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 the hyperbole about uh, how beneficial fracking uh, will be for our economy. Uh, we need to seriously look at the consequences of putting this water— uh, in into the ground to you know use the uh, the the high explosive. It's not high explosives. It's high pressure that basically cracks the shale and releases the the uh, the the natural gas because this you know has has uh, it's emerged that uh, people's uh, water catches on fire <laughs> and there are more and more uh, question marks. I believe about the wisdom of pursuing this in any sort of big way. Uh, there certainly needs to be much more investigation. Uh, into the environmental consequences of wasting this incredible amount of water because the water ends up being polluted. What do you do with it? Um, the energy industry assures us that the water is pumped so far into the earth that it uh, um, actually gets below the water table, as they put it. But uh, it's now emerged, uh, interestingly, that there are earthquake problems occurring in Arkansas. <laughs> From yeah, uh, the central U.S. Hydro fracking. Yeah, the yeah. the central U.S. is more uh, tectonically uh, unstable than most people realize. Uh, in fact, some of the uh, biggest earthquakes uh, in the continent's history uh, are based around the Kentucky area. Yeah, and it, and this the, the the connection between some of these mini earthquakes that some seismologists are detecting uh, in some of the areas where. This uh, hydrofracking is occurring is is really strange. I mean, it's frightening. Uh, imagine Texas becoming a giant sinkhole. Hmm, that might have some degree of appeal for folks around here. But rest assured, you know they're they're using uh, you know the the hope that Rick Perry will get into the uh, presidential race yeah. because oh. They keep exaggerating the number of jobs that have been created in in, in the recent uh, so-called recovery, which indeed is very weak. But uh, they're they're trying to claim that Rick Perry deserves credit for this. This is just the old-fashioned migration of uh, of people 
And uh, to Texas's credit, they stayed a little bit out of this particular banking boondoggle uh, created by deregulation and uh, greed and fraud. <laughs> um, but they were heavily involved in the savings and loan debacle oh, yeah. of the 1980s, in which greed, fraud, deregulation were all present. But luckily, Alan Greenspan was the fireman to the rescue with plenty of liquidity to pump into the markets to keep them afloat after the stock market crash of 1987. Uh, by the way, I, I got some sort of a free HBO thing over the weekend as part of a promotion um, and saw the uh, recent uh, documentary-related film, Too Big to Fail. Oh, okay. Highly recommended. An outstanding cast of actors. Uh, Paul Giamatti plays Bernanke, and William Hurt is Henry Paulson, and it's, uh, I think, a remarkably accurate uh, recreation of the financial uh, catastrophe that uh, occurred under uh, George W. Bush. And the problems and the, the the way the globe could literally unravel because of this uh, just absolute absurd um, overbuilding of real estate here in the United States uh, in which fraud, greed, a deregulation. And uh, speculation. Speculation, the, uh, making a quick buck, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. Just uh, a, a, a catastrophe that continues to, to be with us. And it's why there is a, uh, such a fragile situation right now, for instance, with the Greek situation. There are European banks exposed to a Greek default. Um, and while uh, the uh, Republicans in Congress continue to play games with the debt ceiling, I think it would be fascinating if on April or excuse me, on August 2nd, Timothy Geithner, the current uh, Treasury Secretary, says we're going to pay the bondholders, but... Military checks and Social Security checks are not going to be issued until Congress deals with this. You want to see the American economy go into a immediate freefall. You take that consumer spending mm -hmm. on a weekly day, uh, basis in which many, many people are living paycheck to paycheck and take it out of the system, and uh, you will see a catastrophe. And it's being openly contemplated, as if there won't be any consequences of it. Sarah Palin, the... Uh, Expert on economics says we should go into default. Well, and it's like the Republicans haven't learned the lesson from the last time they pulled this swift maneuver when Newt Gingrich and his gang of knuckleheads decided, let's shut down the government. Yeah. That'll get everybody on our side. And everybody said, hey, wait a minute. I like to get paid. <laughs> Didn't work out too well for Newt. No. He's still recovering. <laughs> And that barrel is ready. The suspenders are being measured, uh, as are the uh, numbers of 